back home. It's time for the news from Back Home Magazine. Today's news is about living with less electricity. Most folks don't take the time to consider that we've only had electric power for the last hundred years or so. Before the turn of this century, going back to the beginnings of mankind, there's no record of any past civilization that ever used electricity on a significant scale. A few Middle Eastern archaeological discoveries have suggested the possibility of some form of primitive storage battery, which would lead to the theory that electric power might have been used for something, perhaps ceremonial. But there certainly isn't evidence of ancient light bulbs, motors, wiring, pop-up toasters, or similar technology that would suggest anything like what we have today. So living without electricity has actually been normal for mankind throughout history. Today's luxuries that we take for granted, like television, home heating, air conditioning, kitchen appliances, and so much more, all require lots of electric power to build and then even more to operate. Unfortunately, lost in this wonderful world of comfort, we often confuse what we want with what we need. For example, when the cold winter hits and the temperatures plummet, you need to stay warm or you'll freeze to death. You might want the convenience of an electric heat pump whole house system, but a basic wood-burning stove is all you need based on tens of thousands of years of experience. In the hot summer weather, you can see thousands of folks driving around with the windows up and air conditioning on because they want to stay cool and comfortable, while never even considering whether they needed to be driving around in the first place. There are loads of other examples every day where we confuse what we want with what we need, and it's this confusion that leads to the thinking that we need all the energy and electricity that we use. Now, there's nothing wrong with using electricity in and of itself. But wasting it on things we don't need has created most of our problems with pollution and the environment. Fortunately, there are practical alternatives to the most wasteful uses of electricity. Instead of an electric stove, cook with gas. Instead of an electric hot water heater, use solar panels or gas. Instead of a huge electric freezer, Use a super-insulated, well-designed unit that can run off propane, 12-volt power, or regular home power. Instead of designing your new home to simply plug into the grid, design with the sun in mind to get some free winter heat, free indoor lighting, and even free air conditioning for most of the summer. Instead of having your exposed plumbing pipes wrapped with hundreds of watts of heating tape to keep them from bursting in the winter, super insulate them or bury those lines to prevent freezing in all but the most sub-zero conditions. These approaches leave lots of electricity for things that really do need to operate with power, like computers, videos, stereos, communications, and just maybe. Most importantly, radio stations and CDs like the one you're listening to right now.
More information about living with less electricity is available from Back Home Magazine at 800-992-2546 or on the web at backhomemagazine.com. The news from Back Home is produced in cooperation with WNCW Spindale, North Carolina, with support from AirCheck Incorporated on the web at radon.com. Back Home Magazine is published bi-monthly in North Carolina, south of Hendersonville, on West Blue Ridge Road, just east of the Old Flat Rock. For all the folks back home, I'm Ryan Doyle. Thanks. <laughs> Are you ready for the end of the world? Sure. <laughs> Listen to... Your community spirit. The show of caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again. The circle of friends, the circle of family, the circle of being. Wake up! That's right. Wake up to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. You are listening to your community spirit. This is Orda Energy Mon. And this is Tree Song. And we are going to tell you a little bit about what today is. Did you know that today is Friday, July 24th? And it is Cousins Day, National Drive Through Day, National Tell a Joke Day. Do <laughs> you think we'll be able to tell a joke today? I don't know. I don't know if we can resist. <laughs> Was that a joke? I think so. <laughs> oh, okay. Um,. National Tell-A-Joke Day, Pioneer Day. Now, tomorrow is Cow Appreciation Day. Ah. Can we make tomorrow National Joke Day? Because <laughs> well, I'm sure there's a few cow jokes. Yeah, we could tell some cow jokes today in preparation for tomorrow's Cow Appreciation Day. It's the National Day of the Cowboy tomorrow and the birthday of the first test tube baby. Ah. Sunday is One Voice Day and Parents Day and the anniversary of the American with Disabilities Act. There you go. Oh, look at that. Do we have any happenings? I heard this was a happening town. Let's see if we've got any happenings. Yeah, I heard it was. Uh, we've got one happening coming up tonight, actually. It's uh, big issues on the big screen at the Big Muddy IMC. Uh, they're showing, well, July is the Our Crumbling Economy Month, and tonight they're showing a film called uh, Capitalism Hits the Fan. <laughs> With breathtaking clarity, renowned University of Massachusetts economic professor Richard Wolff breaks down the root causes of today's economic crisis, showing how it was decades in the making and, in fact, reflects seismic failures within the structures of American-style capitalism itself. So he traces the source to uh, 1970s when wages began to stagnate and American workers were forced into a dysfunctional spiral of borrowing and debt that ultimately exploded in the mortgage meltdown. So that film will be showing tonight at 7 p.m., 214 North Washington in Carbondale. Should be an exciting time. All sorts of economic crashing going on here and there. Well, it might not deal with economic crash, but it does deal with um, keeping your stomach stable. <laughs> the Farmer's Market, every Saturday morning from 10 until... I said, why did I say 10? <laughs> Maybe you wanted to wake up at 10 instead of 8. That's usually when I make it there, so you're right. But usually when I make it to the farmer's market at 10, mm -hmm. 
A lot of the good stuff is gone already. Yeah. Like when there's berries, the berries are wiped out. They're gone. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll, you'll hear people saying, man, I've got this. Or, you know, or you'll he- hear someone ask for s- something and they'll be like, oh, yeah, I had that this morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's, at, at 7.59, there's someone in that parking lot just shaking, you know, like berries, 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 berries. <laughs> <laughs> and they get them at 8 o'clock. And uh, there are people who I know never wake up before 9 o'clock who wake up to get there to get something yeah it's so, worth it yeah so <laughs> farmer's market from 8 until noon yes or possibly even 7.59 until noon yeah. in the early periods it's like <laughs> um and also from 8 until noon the volunteer coordinator for Habitat for Humanity wants to let you know that they will be working at 2217 Robley Street in Murfreesboro this Saturday and they are now painting. So painting doesn't take too much skill, but it takes a lot of time and people. Yeah. So. Okay, so uh, also coming up uh, this weekend, uh, the Vigil for Peace. That's coming up on Saturday from noon to 1 p.m. at the corner of Maine and Illinois in Carbondale. That's at the Town Square Pavilion. Um, and they're going to keep out there with their vigil, uh, uh, bearing witness to war. You know, bearing... Okay. <laughs> yeah, so they're going to keep out there bearing witness to war and calling for peace until peace is won. So another... You win peace? Well, until peace is created. There you go. Very much. Yes. Yeah. It's not something you win by fighting. It's something you create with the uh, social conditions. Yeah, I like that better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like vigil for peace instead of... Um, what did they used to call it? Peace protest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just like... No, it... That's a bad bad way to... Yeah, you don't protest peace. Hmm. You don't win peace. You yes. create peace. Create That's peace. good. So, yes, we have uh, something called Do Everything Tuesday. This is a summer morning workday at the Interfaith Center. You can come by and lend a hand. They start with coffee at 7.30 a.m. bright and early. And they get all sorts of stuff done over there. Uh, in addition to the fact that you're doing good stuff, it also sounds and looks like it's a good time yeah i heard they're painting the labyrinth now they're going to paint it again oh, okay. this tuesday oh that should be and, fun um, I like last the tuesday they said 16 people showed up so yeah see i mean there's like a lot a of little things yeah there's a lot of little things that need to be done and you know maintained and cleaned up so also on tuesday this is from 6 to 7 p.m 33 years is too much parole for peltier Free Leonard Peltier. On Tuesday, July 28th, the U.S. Parole Commission in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania, will review the case of Leonard Peltier, held in prison for over three decades. Please join us in solidarity with Leonard, his family and relatives, friends and supporters from around the world on this day. It's going to be at the Downtown Pavilion next Tuesday, July 28th from 6 to 7 p.m., Solidarity with Leonard while the parole hearing happens. Yes, hopefully that'll go for the best this time. If you have happenings, I know you do. You know if you don't email it to mm-hmm. me, it's not going to happen. So you have to email it to info at yourcommunityspirit.org. Or you can email it to treesong at 
treesong.org. Did you say or you could mail it? No. <laughs> no. And you can mail and it. Because what will happen is or we'll mail it to Treesong. Yes. So <laughs> or you will mail it to Treesong. No, that's too confusing. <laughs> mail it to both of us. Ma- um, mail it to both of us and then your event will sure to happen because I'm sure there's like five people who listen to this show. And those five people will make your event happen because, hey, you'll have five more people. Because anybody who listens to an event on our show, guess what? They go to all the events because there is so many things that are happening. I've mentioned this a few times on the show. Raj Savage, she is this woman who is rowing across the world one stroke at a time. She's literally rowing, okay? Today is day 61, Faith Miles. This is from her blog on rajsavage.com. So this is Raj Savage speaking on her blog. Faith Miles is what I call the distance road that might not get me closer to my destination, but it's putting me in a good position to take advantage of helpful winds at a later stage. On the Atlantic, I had to head south to pick up the trade winds that helped me over to Antigua. The old sailing lure is sail south until the butter melts, then turn west. Leaving from San Francisco on stage one of the Pacific Row, I spent six weeks zigzagging down the California coast and actually wondered if I was going to land up in Mexico before I finally managed to break free and pick up the trade winds that assisted me to Hawaii. On both these crossings, I got used to what Leo in our podcast call reverse progress. I spent the week going backwards at one stage in the Atlantic and several times got pushed back east between San Francisco and Hawaii. But neither instance was too bad because I knew that gradually began going to end up in the helpful trade winds. The, this passage is rather difficult. I am under no illusions that I can get across the equator by waiting for trade winds to kick in. I don't have that get-out-of-jail-free cha- card to play here. I keep getting pushed around by winds and currents north, south, east, and west, and I'm just not sure if I'm going to win through in the end. Um, a few times recently, I've started to feel like, well, enough already. This is my 61st day at sea, and there are still nearly a 1,000 miles to go. I'd rather be heading there, wherever there is, more directly. I'd like to be able to predict an ETA um, and get things organized for landfall, like where to store my boat, um, anyway. But that is the shortcut to insanity. Whenever I catch myself thinking about the ETA, whether Optimistically or pessimistically, I bring myself up short. At this stage, it's just unknowable. I have to keep myself purely in the presence and focus on the process. Who's going to get me there? What's going to get me there? Rowing. Not wishing, calculating, yearning, just rowing. Focus on the process and keep the faith. Here's a blogger's note. I feel like I ought to apologize for going on about my navigational challenges, but there really isn't much else to report. No more wildlife sightings, no exceptional audiobooks. If you'd like to take advantage of this hiatus to ask me some creative and unusual questions, then please do so. I am bored out of my mind. Just Mm -hmm. bear in mind that I am having to do a lot of rowing, so time for blogging is more restricted than previously. A few other stuff. Now, you can actually go onto the website, and she has a GPS tracker on her boat. Mm-hmm. And so you, you can, can see it. where the boat has been going. So when, like, 
recently she got hit by a big storm and she got drifted back, you know, way like five days. In like one night she got drifted back five days of rowing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just rowing that's got to be intense and mm-hmm. as i write this it is still pouring and i'm being pushed n- west northwest my direction of drift is very difficult to predict it seems to be a delicate interplay of strength of wind versus strength of current what appears to be very similar conditions can produce very different results this is why even with the best weather information in the world etas are a totally pointless exercise mm-hmm. And she sends a thank you out to all the people. Like, people are actually on, you know, commenting on her blog and giving her encouragement and saying, you know, Stay basically. <laughs> you can survive. Yeah, I mean, mm. she and she's like, thank you. I mean, yeah, I just can't imagine being stuck in the middle of the ocean and have no idea where you're going, yeah. really. I mean, ultimately, well, she has a, a, a place she wants to go. Yeah. But she is... I mean, part of it is the elements. Yeah. So. <laughs> sort of an uh, extreme metaphor for life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trying to find our direction and such. Yep. Uh, so we, we had a caller who wanted us to give uh, an eco shout-out to uh, Sean Cameron because they were saying that Sean went out to uh, Giant City and uh, just, just out of the, the goodness of his heart cleaned up a bunch of litter there, like a bag or two of trash. So uh, it's been a beautiful week, and it's, uh, I've heard it's going to be a good weekend. So if you get out there, you know, you can enjoy Giant City and other places and take a lot of trash out of there with you. <laughs> and guess what? You might get a shout-out, too. Yeah, you might get a shout-out, too. Now, if you're doing it for the shout-out, we're not going to shout-out. Yeah, it loses I mean, a little bit of the value. Yeah. But if you're genuinely out there and you're like, oh, this is a shame, there shouldn't be litter out here, and you clean it up, then uh, your name might mysteriously appear on the radio. <laughs> All right. Um, my quote of the week, I might, this might be my quote of the year, renewable energy, a weapon of mass reconstruction. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That is a good quote. Yeah. All right. So do we want to get into uh, some of the news? Sure. Okay. Th- there's news? Uh, I guess so. <laughs> so uh, let's see. Slow money, making economics work for us all. Slow money down. It's like the slow foods movement, the slow money movement. Yeah. Uh, slow money national gathering aims to put ethics back into finance. What? <laughs> finance with ethics? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see how this goes. Uh, it'd be tempting to say that slow is the new fast. I like that. <laughs> slow is the new fast. Oh, well, it, you should read this, though. Uh, lazy cliches seem somehow antithetical to the search for authenticity and substance represented by advocates of slow food, slow travel, slow cities, and any other manifestation of the slow movement. Uh, So let's see. Uh, The Slow Money Alliance has been created to rediscover a sense of uh, ethics and purpose in our economic system. The Alliance website emphasizes a strong focus on local investment and on using that local investment to support the resurgence and regeneration of sustainable agricultural systems. Sort of like we talk about on here sometimes with going to the farmer's market and supporting local foods. So some of its guiding principles include uh, that they must ask what the world would be like if we invested 50% of our assets within 50 miles of where we live. What if there were a new generation of companies that gave away 50% of their profits? What if there were 50% more organic matter in our soil 
50 years from now. They like 50. <laughs> yeah, they took this whole 50 thing and went running with it. Yeah. You could say the exact same thing about 5%, but, yeah. I mean, imagine 50%. Yeah. I mean... Dare to dream. The countries, the countries in the world, though, that have um, free health care, free housing, free schooling, they tax um, income 50%. Mm-hmm. And w- I, I understand that in some areas we're already over 40% if you compile all the taxes together. Yeah, like the local, state, federal, you know, income, like, uh, yeah. Land, income, gas, yeah. So let's see. The Alliance is holding an inaugural national slow money gathering uh, that aims to, quote, fix America's economy from the ground up. Speakers include Paulo de Croche, executive director of Slow Food International, uh, George Seaman from Organic Valley, uh, Judy Wicks from White Dog Cafe, and Woody Tash, the chairman and president of the Slow Money Alliance and author of Inquiries into the Nature of Slow Money, yeah, the Nature of Slow Money. So they're going to be holding it whenever they get around to it. They're slow, you know. <laughs> no, it's going to be held from the 10th to 11th of September at Santa Fe Rail Yard. So uh, it should be exciting time. Uh, let's see. Do we have a uh, website for this? or? I suppose. I mean, the Slow Money Alliance. Yeah, the Slow Money Alliance. Yeah, I mean, the idea of using your money to keep things going in your own community instead of throwing it outside the community is a very very good idea mm-hmm. so yeah and they have a little this is a little bit of a pun here uh, they say get your tickets now they're likely to go fast <laughs> <laughs> which like, is which is a joke and yet also probably true <laughs> yeah so um we tend to talk about green stuff every once in a while here yeah mostly we make fun of the green movement because um, green is what the new black. <laughs> um, green is a trend, but going sustainable is much more than green. Yeah. But I mean, green for a lot of people is just like buying a product. Yeah. Buying so, a thing and then it's all it's all fixed because you bought something. So let's talk about some green gadgets. The three traits that all green gadgets have in common what a green gadget is, and how you can make yours green. One question I get asked all the time is, what's really a green gadget? (laughs) It seems that while most people know that the characteristics like organic, recyclable, or fair trade is a way to identify more eco-friendly products, we don't necessarily have an easy way to identify more eco-friendly gadgets. It's true that gadgets seem like they're a whole different category when it comes to green living, and in fact, They have a long, long way to be actually fully green, of course. But there are some easy ways to identify when one gadget is more sustainable than another. Yep. How do you identify green gadgets? With all the many green labels and rating systems, it seems confusing to figure out. And, I mean, a lot of the labels are, you know, the companies label it themselves. How do you know? There's no going around the fact that we have to research a lot of things to know if a gadget is truly eco-friendly. Hmm. There are questions and resources, but luckily, there's three basic trends to green gadgets, and the closer a device is having a high level of all three, well, the greener it is. All right, keep an eye out for these three simple traits. You're on your way to knowing how eco-friendly a gadget is. The three basic traits of green gadgets, well, 
made without toxic materials and with longevity in mind. Mm -hmm. I think that just kicked out like 95% (laughs) of products. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, almost, can you think of almost any electronics that are made without toxic materials (laughs) and, well, forget the toxic materials, with longevity in mind? Yeah. They're they're probably selling like, you know, uh, I don't know, extension cords, you know, they don't put planned obsolescence into those, (laughs) but... But yeah, this is one of those things that you can use as a standard even if most gadgets don't mean it. Like, you know, if one gadget has a little bit of toxics and one has a lot, then probably go with the one that has less. <laughs> now, Greenpeace does grade electronics manufacturers and provide a report card for consumers to use while resourcing, yeah. researching. So because, that helps. Yeah, that'll help some right there. Um, the main thing is, is don't replace it every two years. And actually, most electronics, once they reach usually it's going to go bad in that first year yeah and then you know think think of an electronic that you're going to want to use for the next five years so pay that extra money a better quality one and think yes i'm going to use this for the next five years yeah and even with computers you know sometimes people think they've got to get a new computer every year or two but you don't necessarily have to even if you do have some specific aspect of it that you want improved you might be able to buy like a new video card or that sort of thing Yep. Number two, used well, used well by someone who charges it with renewable energy and maintains it for as long as possible. So yes. two of those we already talked about, used well and maintain it for a long period of time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the renewable energy part is a little more difficult, but did you know that you can buy little teeny gadget chargers to charge up almost anything nowadays? Um, but you can also... You can buy renewable energy from your utility company, or if your utility company does not sell renewable energy, which none of ours around here do, you can go online and buy renewable energy credits. Basically, you're paying a company to go install renewable energy somewhere. Yeah. Maybe you can't afford to put a whole system on your house, but you can afford to buy renewable energy credits and put renewable energy somewhere. Yeah. It could be $5 a month. It could be $10 a month. All right. Number three. Is reused or recycled so there is no waste? Hmm. And, of course, so that's the three steps. But the greenest gadget is the one you already know. Yeah, already own. Own. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's the whole principle of... The three R's, reduce, reuse, recycle. They should be done uh, in that order. And, it, like, the first step is to reduce gadgets. That's the greenest one of all, the one you don't buy. Actually, there's a new three three R's. Hmm. We've got the three basic steps to greening your gadget. If you already own it, that is the greenest gadget, is the one you own. Yeah. Here's three R's. You can charge it with renewable energy, repair it yourself when it breaks, and recycle it when it kicks the bucket. Yes. The three R's of gadgets. Hmm. So, yeah. So there we go. Uh, we also we just got a message from uh, Sean, who we mentioned earlier. He wanted to give a shout out to his uh, junior eco warriors who helped him with that. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming he's referring to his kids there. <laughs> so his kids also helped him in the trash cleanup. Nice family effort. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, uh, when I get out in the woods like that, I often get like a, a trash radar. Like, you know, I'm walking along the path, and I'll just suddenly look to the left 
20 feet. And Is it always to the left? Uh, sometimes it's to the right. Okay. You know, but there'll be a can out there that, you know, I don't know why I saw that can, but because it doesn't fit, you know, because it's litter, it yeah. stuck out. Once you see one piece of trash, yeah. unfortunately, then I, from then on, you see lots more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then I go and get it, usually. That's the same as when you see a morel mushroom in the woods. <laughs> Like, once you see one, (laughs) you start seeing more, hopefully. I mean, you want to read the final one? Oh, yeah, this, uh... We are going to give you something to do. Talk about climate change today? (laughs) Um, has anybody noticed in the climate being wacky? Yeah, a little bit. Not really. I mean, I just haven't been able to work all month because it's been raining every time I need to schedule a job. Yeah. I almost got pissed off there. Whoa. (laughs) But, yeah, so if you're tired of hearing about climate change... You know, there's one thing you can do. You can do something about it. Uh, December 7th to 18th of 2009, uh, it's still a ways off, but we're giving you some advance notice. The world's leaders will meet in Copenhagen to decide what to do about climate change. If this meeting were held today, it would produce an agreement, but it wouldn't be strong enough to do much good. It wouldn't be strong enough to do much good. Yes, so we got to look inside for some strength. <laughs> in order to bring uh, global CO2 back to the safe zone, We need to make massive emissions cuts now. There's only one way we can achieve that. We need to turn the political heat way up. (laughs) That didn't sound like fire. (laughs) There you go. I was trying to make the crackly sound of fire. Yeah. Instead of bacon. I mean, And, uh, so yes, uh, oh yeah, this is, they're referring, they're mentioning a website here that I just got forwarded a link to this morning. Uh, this past spring, thousands of people risked arrest in order to shut down the coal-fired plant that supplies Congress's power. Uh, the next day, it was announced that the plant would stop burning coal forever. I think that means it closed. Yeah, it closed. <laughs> so it's, uh, uh, sometimes civil disobedience can, in fact, work to create change related to climate change. So if you'd like more on that sentiment, you can go to www.beyondtalk.net for information on civil disobedience and climate change and it's a very intense website yeah, i mean it's, it's very intense it's very you know starting to motivate and inspire you to civil disobedience um i don't think i'll get this quote exactly right but eisenhower said thank you for pointing this out to me now make me do it mm-hmm. <laughs> that's yeah <laughs> yeah that's one of those uh yeah, I, yeah, I, we've got the quote here. I agree with you. I want to do it. Now make me do it. <laughs> so, um, we hope that you have learned something at this half hour of your community spirit. We hope to, um, well, let you know that now is a really good time to enjoy some of the beautiful woods around here and um, bring a plastic bag along because there's some trash. Yes. Yep. So... <laughs> We will see you again. Yeah, we will see you again on the radio. Yes, see you on the radio. See you on the radio next week.